Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. To start our program today, Congressman Mark Pocan is with us for the hour. Uh, Representative Pocan represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's the former co-chair and a current member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He's on the Appropriations, Education, and Labor Committees in the House. His website's pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Speaking of which, Congressman Pocan, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Great having you with us. I'm wondering your thoughts on the next step, the next steps with regard to this leaked abortion report. And also, I'm curious your thoughts on the primaries yesterday. It looks like Trump's endorsement is a big deal. 22 out of 22 of his endorsements uh, apparently have won, at least from reading the right-wing news sites. I don't know if that's that's a true total or not, but it was reported in one of the right-wing sites. Well, just on that second part, I mean, you know, when you have a cult, generally people do what the leader says, right? Yeah. And, you know, the Republican Party um, no more strongly than watching what was leaked with the Supreme Court on Roe versus Wade. I mean, something that's been uh, settled law for a half a century. Uh, they've worked on for decades to try to unsettle that law. And it looks like uh, their organizing is going to pay off. The problem is, um, you know, this is taking away uh, many people's uh, rights and freedoms uh, to their own reproductive decisions, uh, healthcare decisions for their own bodies. And in that same memo, they talked about going after things like uh, equality legislation for the LGBT community and other things. So, you know, this is is very real. It's something that people have to be aware of as we look at November elections moving forward. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it was awful news. And you know, we have to make sure that we are ready to counter that. And I can tell you from the, the people I've talked to and the calls I've gotten, people are very uh, upset, very concerned. I mean, the next morning, first call I had was someone asking if their marriage was still going to be legal if the Supreme Court continues down this path. And I think, you know, we all have to realize that uh, they're willing to go after lots of folks to accomplish their agenda. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, anything you wanted to lay on the table or share with people or point out to anybody before we can before we start taking calls? Uh, you may notice a furry dog pop up. I'm watching a, a puppy for a friend uh, for oh, a few cute. days, and he just dropped him off today. And right now he's nibbling on my hand. I was hoping he'd go back to or should go back to sleep. So uh, if you see that on the screen, that's what's going on. I just want to apologize ahead of time for that. No, it's all good. Alrighty, let's let's pick up some phone calls here. Uh, Michael in Chicago, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. In 25 states, in the United States, 25 states, it's allowed 17-year-old kids can vote in the primary elections if they will become 18 years of age by the general election. A lot of people think you've got to be 18 to vote in any election in the United States. That's not true. In 25 states, you could be 17 for the primary elections. Uh, now, I'd like to say that some important states that have it, I'm in Illinois. Illinois has 17-year-old voting. Indiana does. Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina. These are battleground states. Virginia, Maryland, Nebraska, Nevada. So, Michael, what's your question or comment? My comment is, it's not in Wisconsin yet. It is not in Wisconsin. And is it possible for the congressman to do something uh, to get it in Wisconsin? Because I believe all over the United States, we should have the 17-year-old kids voting in every state. In the primaries. Uh, Thank you, Michael. 
Yeah. No, thank you, Michael. I, you know, one of the problems in Wisconsin is we are one of those extremely gerrymandered states um, for the state legislature. I think last year, 53 or 54 percent of people voted for a Democrat for assembly and they got 36 of the 99 seats. I think you can see the, the giant math problem. And with the maps that our conservative Supreme Court just approved, uh, they're going to keep that in place for another decade, uh, those kind of numbers. So um, I'm not sure if Republicans are looking to have more people to vote. I don't know many Republicans who are. Uh, they just want their people to vote. So it might be difficult, but I think it's a great idea. In fact, in Congress, I believe it's a bill either by Grace Meng or Ayanna Presley uh, to lower the age to 16. Uh, and that's something that's out there as well. So, um, Michael, thanks for bringing that up so people know their, their rights in many states to be able to vote early. Paul in Lucerne, California, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Is the Supreme Court ever going to get regulated? Are they going to just continue to write their own rules? I mean, the Constitution clearly says the Supreme Court shall operate under rules and regulations set forth by Congress. And I'm, I'm listening to pundits on TV say Congress can't do nothing about this. They can't even regulate them. Yes, yeah, she can. It's right there in the Supreme Court. Or you mean the Constitution? Yeah. Here's one of the problems, and I think here's one of the solutions. One of the problems uh, is the fact that, you know, people essentially will say anything to get nominated, and you saw Susan Collins's a uh, rather weak statement about saying that uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh both said essentially to her in private that they wouldn't do anything to overturn Roe versus Wade and that they've now apparently lied and um, or may have lied. So therefore, uh, you know, she's upset, but that's not enough, right? She already uh, approved them as Supreme Court justices. So uh, that's part of the problem. I think the answer really might be in a bill that I know Mondaire Jones has in the House. I forget who has it in the Senate to expand the court. Um, you know, I, we've done this throughout time, had different numbers of justices. I think it's time that we have uh, more justices, uh, especially given, um, you know, how the Republicans have manipulated the appointment process. And because of that, um, you know, I think it's time has come and we should get more people advocating on behalf of that. I think that would be a good thing. John in Aurora, Illinois, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, real quick, my question is about banking, right? So the Fed just increased the, the rates, uh, you know, today on interest rates. But when we – it's all of our money, right? So when we give that money, how come it is that when we're borrowing or we give them a CD for 10 months, we only get like 5% and um, – and we don't, and we get no return on our investment. But then they can, they can just rape us all the time. And our mortgage rates, right? Our mortgage is set up so that all our interest is paid out to them first, and it's unequal. It's not equally proportioned out properly ever in this situation. Yet that they, they can sit there and borrow money from the government at zero percent. So, John, we have thirty seconds. Let's let, let's let, okay. let uh, Congressman. Sorry. Yeah, John. So first of all, I mean, banks are a business, and this is what they're doing when you deal with them. Be very cautious. You know, I don't think you can get 5% on a CD anywhere right now that I know of. I think the rates are much lower that they're offering. However, the United States Treasury on I-bonds, I believe, is up to over 9% right now because it's partially tied to inflation. You can buy up to $10,000 per person per year on those bonds. So there is actually Whoa. something that the average person can take advantage of and, and get a better return than a private that's that's something to check into. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm, assu I'm assuming that's at treasury.gov? Yes. In fact, I just bought some at 7% uh, about a month ago, and now they're up to 9%. So. Amazing. Frank, in Staten Island, New York, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Just a curious question about this whole row thing. Who pays for the medical bills, like for these women that are required to have these pregnancies? I mean, just think about that. They're required. They can't do anything. Then if it's like a rape or incest, while they, if it's a child living with their parents, the parents have to watch this thing grow. Do, are they eligible for some sort of psychological help? I mean, they're relieving this, this tragedy for a nine-month period. And it, it just, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. It just, and, and the other thing, too, that I heard is that someone said that this is driving towards personhood, so that the fetus at the point of conception becomes a person. So if you're traveling in a state that bans abortion, and you didn't know that you were, or you conceived it, and you go to your home state and you have an abortion, they could sue you? They could prosecute you? That doesn't make any sense. How can one state... If someone that lives in Texas goes to New York to have an abortion, be prosecuted in, in Texas. Did, they didn't break any Texas law, did they? 
Frank, you're bringing up all kinds of problems that can come out of uh, what the Supreme Court might be doing. I also heard one, and I can't verify this myself, but I think it was Tennessee law. They said that you may, you have to, I think, if you don't want to um, keep the fetus, the baby, that you would have to, if I remember, hopefully I'm remembering this correctly, you'd have to offer it to the rapist parents and you might be financially liable. I don't know if that's true. I'm saying it because I heard it yesterday, but there are all kinds of goofy laws about leaving crossing state lines to get an abortion, other things, uh, including uh, states like mine in Wisconsin, where it will be illegal uh, and in many other states. So this has got a huge impact on people's personal rights and freedoms, uh, as well as if you read the document, they're talking about things about uh, marriage equality and other issues for others. So, you know, uh, this has been a goal of the Republicans for decades. They're finally going to be able to realize that goal. If this doesn't wake people up to what the Republican Party is about, I don't care if, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're a corporation or a, or a rich person who's going to get a little more money uh, that they're not going to be paying their taxes. Is this the America that you really want? The public opinion polls are strongly against these ideas. I'm I'm looking at. But apropos of your thing about Tennessee, I'm looking at the NBC Today Show website. Uh, this was March 18th of this year, and the headline is, New Tennessee Bill Will Allow Rapists' Families and Friends to Sue If Victims Have an Abortion. The bill would ban abortion outright with no exception for rape or incest and allow a rapist's family to sue people who help his victim get abortion care. So, yeah. There you go. And you're going to have that will seem like nothing compared to the extreme laws that you will see introduced and passed in other states. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's the case. Jared in Santa Fe, New Mexico, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Kind of grown up anti-religious just because of, you know, circumstances and life experiences. And I kind of think that these uh, attacks on abortion and uh, gay rights and whatnot are kind of based on religion. And shouldn't the, uh, shouldn't the left kind of message that and say that these, you know, these are faith-based attacks that, you know, that, you know and shouldn't they be challenged as such? Great. Well, I actually... Jared, I'd be slightly different in that I, I think this is a perverted view of what religion is, right? There are a lot of different religions, but this is an extremist view on every front um, of what uh, many of their policies are. So, you know, these are, are people who their tent is a tent made up of corporations and the greedy and people who care uh, about uh, taxes the most and this kind of far extremist element, uh, so-called uh, Christian element um, that includes, unfortunately, a lot of uh, white Christian nationalists and others. So, you know, they're appealing to some of their extreme elements, but it's a law that's going to impact every single person in the country in order for them to have a political uh, future. We have to stand hard against that. Like, this is not supported by a very large percent of the American people, and yet it's going to impact everyone. And I think everyone has to get involved, even if you're not someone uh, who is a woman who who may be, be seeking an abortion, um, you we all have to care, right? And and this is something where um, I hope more and more people will realize that this is the biggest attack to personal freedoms if this happens that I think many of us will have seen in our lifetimes. Joseph in Bovee, Minnesota. We have just a minute to the break. Joseph, you got a quick question for Congressman Pocan? I just got done sitting in on a seminar with our COVID research team. And after all the questions, our uh, attention turned to funding. And we're seeing all our projects starting to come to fruition, but um, we're starting to see a tightening of dollars. And I'm just wondering what Congress's commitment to funding scientific research is in the future for COVID. Yeah, Joseph, I, I can't speak to those lines that you're you're directly getting in funding on it, but I can talk to you in general. You know, the White House asked for 22 million, uh, sorry, billion additional, uh, about five of that going to vaccines for around the world. I think the House came up with a bill with about 15 billion, but they had a bad funding source. It's now in the Senate's hands. There's some talk that it could be combined with additional uh, aid for Ukraine. I'm not sure what will come exactly out of the Senate, but there is a priority to get funding. Cool. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Morris in Long Beach, California, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Congressman Pocan, let me start off by saying that you're my favorite congressman, and that's because <laughs> you're the only one I could talk to. Uh, but anyway, I wanted Thank to you, say, uh, suggest something to the Democratic Party uh, that they hire. The Democratic Party, uh, my brother, they need to hire a professional messaging firm, you know, with some serious talking points. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. You know, when it comes to investing in the quality of life of America, the first question everybody asks uh, in legislation is, well, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for this? But no, nobody asks that question when it comes to a tax cut or a corporate subsidy or even a bailout. Now, if you want to improve the economy overnight, get rid of that student loan. What is that, $1 trillion? We don't have no questions when it comes to giving the military uh, industrial complex some bonus money. So why don't you go ahead and follow my suggestion, get a, a, a major firm to control your messaging. They got a lot to work with. They got some new stuff coming out on January 6th, because uh, y- y'all can't handle it right now. Uh, so what do you think of that idea, getting a professional messaging uh, service to handle your, your business for you like that? Yeah, Morris, I think uh, you're not going to like this answer. There probably already are a bunch uh, that a lot of both candidates and the Dem Party uses. Um, you know, I think the, the a fair criticism that we often hear is Republicans talk in headlines and Democrats talk in paragraphs, right? You know, we believe very strongly about the policy, but um, you have to make it easily relatable and understandable. And I think the Republicans often, because their policy isn't something that people support. They just superficially talk about it, where we sometimes can maybe get too far into the details. I completely understand what you're saying. I don't disagree with you, and especially your point on, you know, when you have a tax cut, that's a tax expenditure. That's no different than expending money on education or healthcare, and it has to be weighed against each other. And I think that's why, again, um, under the Biden administration and with Democrats right now, we're willing to look at new ways to bring in some revenues, especially related to those really awful tax cuts for the wealthiest that happened during the Trump administration. By the way, Congressman, we're getting uh, requests for you to hold the dog up if he happens to wander <laughs> or she happens to wander. <laughs> I finally got her to take a little break here, but um, let me see if I can. Here she is right here. She's a little sweetheart that is uh, now resting, but for the first half hour was nibbling on my hand. <laughs> Okay, very cool, very cool. I can't see you right now. The, we, we had to reorganize our office so that Nate's in a separate room, so all the video stuff, I, I can't see it. But um, I'm, if it's on the screen and our viewers can see it, that's great. Yeah, it's a, I think it's called a Havishan. We used to have a Cavachon, which was part Bijan Fries, part Cavalier King Charles. This is Havanese in Bijan Fries. It's a truly sweet dog that I've uh, got to know a little bit and uh, and now I'm going to watch through Monday so I'm very excited but today's the first morning so my hand is tasting good. Okay that's great. Andre in Chicago you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. First of all I want to say thank you for one to expand the Supreme Court I think that's a noble idea but I also think term limits should come with it I want to know how you feel about that I want to know do you think that that uh, Justice Roberts should call out Clarence Thomas and his wife the same way that he has been calling out this leak. And uh, I want to say that, you know, if the United States somehow was overcome by soldiers like they were overcoming Ukraine, no ladies getting raped in Ukraine. If those same ladies were here in the United States, we got invaded, they got raped. You know, they couldn't even get an abortion. Get an abortion. Uh, lastly, uh, uh, sir, can you tell me why does it take six months to get uh, Social Security disability, and can you do anything to improve it? 
those are my comments. It shouldn't take six months. Thank you. Thank you. I, let me try to take the last one again. You know, I think, and I always recommend this to anyone, if you're having a problem with a federal agency and a timely response, contact uh, your member of the House or your two senators. And obviously, you know, some are going to be better than others. But we really are the people who have, the, to, for those of you who remember, an outdated reference of the Batman, the bat phone, you know, we've got that line that we can contact those agencies, you know, use uh, the elected officials. That's what we're here for, especially our, our district offices to help out on. Um, on Supreme Court, I think the the right answer is is to add seats to the Supreme Court. I mean, it's time again. We've done this throughout the history of this country. Uh, I think it's time to do it again. I don't think you'll address these problems as directly with term limits because uh, I think people are talking what 25 years or something. I, I don't think that is necessarily as strong an answer as dealing directly with uh, adding people to the court. And I do think that uh, the January 6th Commission is going to bring in Clarence Thomas's uh, wife, especially about those. Um, texts uh, that that transpired on January 6th and about January 6th. So hopefully more attention will come to those, Andre, and um, appreciate your, your comments. Ken in Lafayette, Colorado. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Mr. Pocan, uh, the gentleman who just called, I wanted to elaborate a little bit uh, in regards to the Supreme Court and Clarence Thomas. Um, is there a way to remove justices? I mean, Clarence Thomas hasn't even recused himself. I mean, he's like acting like nothing is, you know, nothing to see over here with his wife. Is there a way to, well, to get rid of him and and others that are incompetent or compromised? Is that possible? Yeah. So I think uh, let me just address the the, the the Clarence Thomas issue. I mean, right now there's a few steps that have to happen first, and I think part of it is bringing her into. Um, uh, the January 6th commission to find out exactly you know, what all transpired. Right now, we just have some texts. I don't think we have much more information. To be fair, I think we need additional information to know what's going on. And then hopefully, um, uh, Justice Thomas will do the right thing uh, at that time. But, uh, you know, this is concerning. I don't think we've had, at least in my lifetime, a lot of issues like this uh, happening, which is, again, all the more reason why if, if the Supreme Court does make this decision that was leaked and, um, you know, there's there's also issues with having leaks in the Supreme Court. Uh, but if this is true in the direction they're going, you know, this is what they've built on for decades to get to this point. Um, we have to to one uh, really address changes to the Supreme Court uh, structure, I think. And secondly, we have to make sure everyone's aware that, you know, yes, you're paying more for gas in your tank and uh, groceries right now. That's an international inflation caused by covid uh, reopening society. But we got to be ready for November because it's it's not just going to be uh, abortion rights and decisions over your own life uh, and your reproductive choices. It could be marriage equality. It could be a lot of other issues, a lot of people being affected. And this is one where we all have to stick together, even if we're not personally affected. Uh, we are because of people we know and because of the next steps they're going to take. This is a real attack, the biggest attack I think most of us have seen in our lifetimes. If this happens, we have to be ready for it. And, and just uh, to clarify, the Constitution says that the only way to remove a Supreme Court justice is through impeachment in the House and then conviction by two-thirds of the Senate. Um, and that's only happened once, and that person was not convicted. I believe it was uh, Justice Chase back in the early 1800s or maybe even the late 1700s. Um, so nobody has ever been successfully removed from the Supreme Court through that process. I'm assuming you're not anticipating any, anything like that happening in the House or Senate. No, that's why I think you have more information to get. Hopefully, at that point, Justice Thomas would recuse himself. Um, and there's a lot of steps that, that take you to get there. But, you know, given the 50-50 Senate and what, the three or four seat margin, depending who's alive and dead in the House, I don't see this as a, a real actual way. Right. You're Ain't going to happen. Vivian in St. Paul, Minnesota, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Why are Democratic leaders continuing to refuse to consult with the leading mental health experts who've actually warned for the past seven years? And that includes cult experts. You just call this a cult. I call it a cult all the time because that's what it is, right? 
period. Uh, it's not a Republican Party that is a party of values because they're hypocritical to so many of those values. You know, the, when I got in, the Tea Party was at their their rise. They're now the moderates within the Republican Party, thanks to these Q extremists, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and, and many people who you've never heard of who don't necessarily have to have a camera in their face 24-7 like her uh, that also exist in Congress. That's the problem. The, and they're loyal only to Donald Trump, not even to an ideology. The Republican Party at the last convention didn't have a platform. They don't have anything they actually stand for uh, other than maybe some of the people who make up, uh, you know, the corporate side of their party and these extremist elements on social issues. So, you know, it's a cult. Uh, I'll keep calling that, but I'm not sure if, if I hear all Democrats uh, saying that they should. Gloria in Dodgeville, Wisconsin. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Well, um, I'm from southern Wisconsin, and first I want to thank uh, Ms. Spokane for doing all the things that he does. I appreciate, um, I agree with most of them. Um, but in, our air, in, in southern Wisconsin, we have a problem, and that is where it's, it's international, where we have Canada coming in and um, uh, taking corporate subsidies and then, and I'm sure you've heard of this, um, and have put in CHC, Cardinal Hickory Creek, and in uh, industrial wind turbines, which are uh, a dinosaur. And they are putting, and they're taking up land in southern Wisconsin. And um, it's, not, it's not good for our, and they're using uh, these corporate subsidies. And the corporate subsidies of Canada they're using them for their retirement. Now, <clears throat> it's really corruption at its finest, really, because it's uh, taking away land and rights of Southern, the residents of Southern Wisconsin. And so, Gloria, uh, let's get Congressman Pocan's <laughs> response to your, your, your question. Yeah, first of all, Gloria, uh, thanks for calling. You're in my district. Um, so I'm not sure if I know the specifics of what you're talking about um, with the Canadian subsidies, uh, but I, I know roughly the localized issues you're talking about. The the um, transmission lines, uh, Tom, are something that are going to go across a lot of... It's about easements yeah, and, well, and, 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 and Fifth Amendment takings. In a lot of area that's the driftless area where the glaciers didn't get through, that's beautiful nature. And I think there's a lot of concerns that as you have to get more power because of our current way we, we do everything, uh, that these lines will, will definitely, you know, uh, affect many people in their lives. And that's a concern. Um, I, I didn't quite understand the thing on the um, uh, the, the transmission with uh, windmills because that is something that we do have in a neighboring county um, but that's something that I think you know we want more of we want more uh, wind and solar as opposed to having to bring in um, you know uh, power from Iowa from their wind farms uh, into Wisconsin because then you're going to have even more of those lines that people are concerned about those that Cardinal Hickory line so um, I'm not sure if I fully understood all the aspects of what Gloria said but uh, it is a local Issue that you know is a right Yeah. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Michael in Los Angeles, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Wouldn't the passage of the Women's Health Protection Act of 2021 render this whole thing regarding the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade moot? Yes, Michael, thank you. Uh, we've passed it in the House. Uh, the question is, can we get it through the Senate? If we did that, we would essentially codify uh, Roe versus Wade into actual law, and then uh, we would be fine. 
The problem we're going to have is the problem you have every single day when you mention the U.S. Senate is the 50-50 Senate and how they can get this done. But, you know, what will Susan Collins do? Does she really mean that they lied to her and she cares enough to do something about it? Or is she just saying, oh, shucks, they lied to me and now they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade after they said they wouldn't? So you're right. Um, the House has passed the bill. Uh, the Senate takes it up and can pass it. Uh, then this will be a moot point. And uh, I appreciate you mentioning that, Michael. I should have said that right in the offset. So this is not an issue that could be solved through reconciliation, where we just have to get two votes to get around Mansion and Cinema. This, because it's not about finances, this would require right. 60 votes, right? You're, you're going to have to get at least eight and probably 10 or 12 Republicans. Exactly. And so it's a, a longer shot, but there is a remedy, which means, you know, if the Senate were to change in states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, that helps you get to a remedy as well. Um, you know, so there still is a, a way to change this through right. statute. And we've done it in the House. We've passed it. It needs to go through the Senate. But I think it's a really strong point that Michael brings up. Um, you know, yeah. work to get it done, but it can be done. Got it. Jennifer in Aptos, California, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. I wanted to know how abortion was going to be defined because when I was pregnant in my second trimester, the fetus died. We were living in a little town with only one hospital, and the hospital was a Catholic hospital. My husband took me there, and they refused to remove the fetus. And it went back and forth. They were saying, but it's dead, it's dead. And they just kept repeating, we do not perform abortions. So we're saying, wait, so by the time... That could put your life at risk, couldn't it, Jen Jennifer? Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, that would put your so life at my, risk. By the time my husband took me to another hospital, got to another town in another hospital, I hemorrhaged. And I almost died. Oh, my God. And I had to have a blood transfusion. And when I was well, and I went back to the Catholic hospital to tell them what happened, and they just didn't care. It was like, this is our policy. But it was dead. So what I want to know from the congressman is, are they so cruel that they're going to define abortion as even if the fetus is dead and, they could, and the mother could get sepsis or, or hemorrhage to death like I almost did? Yeah. Jennifer, first of all, thank you for sharing your very personal story and the exact problem with if the Supreme Court does this, what you could have, uh, depending on which legislature and which state, you could have a bunch of old white guys deciding these things and maybe not deciding them in a way that's actually practical or, or at all going to work in, in the real life situations. And you could have all sorts of awful laws, uh, depending where you live. When I was in the state legislature, I, I agree. Thank you, Jennifer, for raising that. There, there are many problems that could happen. Phil in Austin, Texas, you're on the air with the Congressman Pope. I had a question about the uh, Progressive Caucus. I was wondering if they're planning to enjoy, endorse uh, Jessica Cisneros and TX28 over anti-choice incumbent, and if not, why? Breaking up. Yeah, um, I we haven't endorsed in that race uh, right now. Right now, I believe we've endorsed in nine races. I'm just trying to do this from memory, um, including two in Texas. Uh, Greg Cesar, who won his primary and will be the next member of Congress, and um, Michelle, and I'm forgetting the last name, starts with a V right now, I apologize, um, uh, who is in the runoff later this month um, in a seat that will be a, a swing seat, uh, Tom. So I, mm. I don't know, um, we're not in that race right now, and I don't know because of the timeline if there are plans to be. Stefan in Mentor, Ohio, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, sir. Uh, good morning, uh, Congressman. Now, uh, the Democratic messaging is in big shambles and trouble. I mean, we're going to be shellacked in November. Why? We're just a bunch of wusses. I mean, I've been supporting Democratic principles. We, we got it, lifetime. Stefan. What's your question for Congressman Pocan? What happened to the $500 billion that was uh, going out to the PPP program and that was not reconciled? Okay. 
Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for that. Stefan, first of all, I just disagree with your premise a little bit. You know, there are times, as I've said, Democrats talk in paragraphs, Republicans talk in headlines because their policies don't have support and our policies often do. The problem we have right now, more than anything, is inflation. And, um, you know, what people are paying for gas or they're paying for groceries. And this is because of everything opening last year at once because of COVID. Uh, there was scarcity. We don't make enough things in this country. And uh, that drove the price up. And we're all paying the price for that. That is stopping people from understanding we passed an infrastructure bill or the American Rescue Plan that put money in people's pockets and got kids back in school safely and got people back into jobs and shots into people's arms. We passed postal reform. Tom, one of the best things I get people reaching out to us about is wanting to make sure they have six-day mail. We passed that in a postal reform bill that's been talked about for decades. So we did a bunch of things. The problem is uh, trying to get past these conversations around inflation and, and really the hangover of COVID. So, you know, yes, could you message it better? Yeah. Um, but honestly, the biggest problem we have are those issues. And now with something like this week, I think with Roe versus Wade uh, potentially being overturned, hopefully that will wake some people up to uh, saying, OK, yeah, um, because of global inflation, I'm paying more for gas. But I'm also going to lose, lose my rights and freedoms if these people take over. And I think that is something, Stefan, that we should be talking about more often. Congressman, we're, we, we have 40 seconds here, 35 seconds to the end of the hour. Uh, thoughts on what we can be doing, what individuals watching or listening right now can be doing to, to help move things forward, uh, like expanding the Supreme Court or yeah. some of these other issues? Yeah, that's easy. You contact your member of Congress. I don't know the number of the bill. Maybe you can get it, Tom, but Mondaire Jones has it in the House, and I think there's a Senate companion to it. I forget who has it. But also just participate in the activities uh, that are going to be in your community around uh, Roe versus Wade and other effects that could happen out of the Supreme Court decision. If we act enough, um, hopefully we can uh, have the Supreme Court think twice uh, before this is released. Uh, but also uh, we need to get something passed through the Senate like we passed in the House to protect people. There you go. Congressman Pocan, thanks so much for dropping by today. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Always a pleasure having you with us. Middays with Mark with Congressman Mark Pocan. Pocan.house.gov and you can, uh, you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Congressman Ro Khanna is on the line with us. He's vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 17th District of California in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's a member of the House Armed Services Committee and the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Congressman Khanna, welcome back. What's on your mind today? We're focused on the climate bill and trying to get that across the finish line. You know, I've uh, had a couple of meetings now. The challenge is, he's saying, what, what about bipartisan? I said, that's fine if you can get the Republicans to actually agree to $550 billion of climate spending, which I don't think is ultimately going to be where there are. So I still am convinced that this is going to have to be through reconciliation. But my hope is that it, that engagement will now further push the White House on getting back engaged on climate, because we really have not seen much movement since the Build Back Better efforts, since they stalled. And then the other thing is I've got an op-ed coming out tomorrow in the Washington Post or the next couple of days to make the case for forgiving student loans. I mean, just the one point I'll make, this idea that it is regressive and helps the upper middle class is just totally false. I mean, it, this data is overwhelming that it would help the uh, lowest wealth groups in, uh, in this country. Uh, and the second thing is I took out a lot of loans. I paid them back, and I don't begrudge anyone who didn't and that, that, that now they should have their loans forgiven. They just didn't get the same lucky breaks I did. I think that's how many people look at it who've been fortunate enough to pay their loans back. Yeah, I had a, a fellow call in yesterday, and he was like, you know, uh, uh, you know, what about people who paid off their loans, and, and uh, why should I you know, pay for a quack, quack, quack? And, and I had two answers for him. Number one was, we had this 15-year uh, experiment with the GI Bill, and what we discovered you know, after World War II 
And what we discovered was for every dollar we invested in young men coming back from, from World War II in college education, the federal government got back $7 in a tax revenue that they wouldn't have gotten because those people with a college degree had higher incomes, higher earnings than had they only had a high school degree. So number one, it you know investing in education always pays back. And number two, the system is broken. I mean, you know, Thomas Jefferson created the first free college, the University of Virginia. He thought it was the single most important achievement of his life. He put that at the top of his tombstone. Um, right. Abraham Lincoln created the land-grant uh, colleges, 56 or 57 land-grant colleges, free colleges, again, you know, uh, with the Morrill Act in, in 1865, I think it was. And uh, Michigan State University is one of those. And, and, it, it, and, and so the, the outlier has been the last 40 years since Reagan took a meat axe to, to education. And you know, we've never done that. I, you know, we've, and we're the only country in the world that doesn't invest in the infrastructure, in our intellectual infrastructure, in our young people, in our in education. And when we did in the 50s with the, with the GI Bill, we produced this explosion of innovation in the 70s as those people came into the workforce, put a man on the moon and everything else, invested transist invented transistors and ICs. Why would we not do that for America? Why would we want to be the only developed country in the world that doesn't offer free or nearly free education? And then on top of that, you say, okay, so the system is broken. We're going to fix it. Obviously, when you fix a broken system, you know, just like reparations, when you fix a broken system, some people are going to get more benefit than others. It's not always going to be fair because the system's not fair. So that was my rant yesterday. I, I, I'm looking yeah, forward well, to you're, your You're spot on. I mean, look, the, the reality is we're the only country that I know of where you have to go thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in debt to get an education, that yep. you're in debt before you even start life. Uh, it's a crazy system, and, and this president really... That's an area he doesn't need 51 senators, and he can make a difference. And I, I think he's getting there. I think that the uh, activism around the country really has uh, made a difference on this, and uh, we're keeping up the drumbeat on the in the Progressive Caucus. Good, good. Okay, well, let's pick up some phone calls, eh? That'd be great. Off we go. Margie in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. Hey, Margie, you're on the air with Representative Khan. When discussing affordable health care, why do Democrats never discuss the fact that we don't pay for just one health care policy because our health care policies don't cover injuries that happened at work. So businesses and the independents have to have workman's comp in addition to their um, regular primary insurance. Then um, for your auto insurance, you have liability cover, medical liability coverage that if you injure somebody else. Your homeowners or renter policy also have medical liability so in case somebody is injured on your property. And as a business owner, I have a million dollar medical liability in case I injure somebody else. Why do the, the Democrats not discuss that the average person is paying for at least four different health policies? Brilliant, Margie. Margie, I, I mean, you're absolutely correct that it is such a complicated mess that you're paying for, as you put it so well, your own health insurance, and then you're paying for your health insurance, or you're paying your, through your employer is for health insurance there, and you're paying uh, with auto insurance for uh, potential health insurance there. Uh, this is why, this is why that health care costs have become 23.9% of GDP. 23.9%. When people say, well, how can you afford another system? I say, how can you not afford another system? In other countries, it's about, you know, China is 5%. I mean, okay, they don't have probably proper health care for everyone. But European countries are around 9%. We're paying two and a half times as much. And these costs are not just crippling American families with a tax. It's crippling our employers. It's crippling our manufacturers. So this is why a Medicare for All system would get rid of all of this complexity and administrative costs, lower costs on our country, make it less of our GDP, and make sure everyone is covered. And it's, it's one of the biggest reforms we need in America. Ziggy in Oneonta, New York, here on the air with Representative Khanna. I think the uh, CMS has been misleading you. As recently as last week, people have received notices that they are being removed from Medicare and placed onto an ACO. And I think if you pin down the CMS, 
you'll find out that they will tell you technically they don't remove anyone. What they've done is authorize doctors and insurance companies, the ACOs, to do that. And I think it should be stopped. And what about all the people who have already been removed from Medicare? What's going to happen with those people? They don't even know that they've been taken off of Medicare. Siggy, you're right, and this is something the Progressive Caucus has been on top of. I mean, we've called for an end to removing people uh, involuntarily from their Medicare and enrolling them in a new plan, and often a Medicare Advantage or a private plan, when they don't even know that they, they're going to be enrolled. I don't know if you saw the study recently, it was, I think, in the New York Times, that all of this uh, new investigation that Medicare Advantage has been denying people claims that they should have accepted. Fifteen percent of patients or so in Medicare Advantage are basically having ordinary claims that the doctors and hospitals think should be paid for not being paid for and people are being moved forcibly into this experiment because you know medicare advantage doesn't pay fee for service they bundle the payment uh, but then they their whole cost model is to deny the services uh, to be able to profit and and you should not be forced into that but it's a real issue as so many people are choosing medicare for advantage uh, not knowing that uh, they may be denied benefits yeah, amen. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Rick, in Cartersville, Georgia, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. I wanted to pose this question to you. Not only Trump, you know, have an impeachable offense in his first impeachment, but also it was a criminal offense. Certainly that the uh, Senate uh, Republicans uh, that went along with uh, uh, Trump in the acquittal actually in my estimation, uh, violated their oath of office and possibly even aided and abetted in the commission of a crime. Why can't the Justice Department and uh, the Democrats urge the Justice Department to pursue uh, criminal activities? If they did that, it would make a huge change in the makeup of the uh, Senate temporarily, but it would be common enough maybe that some uh, voting rights legislation and so forth might be able to make its way through and change the uh, entire spectrum. Let's get the answer here, Rick. Thank you. I agree that we have to expose the people who were masterminding the insurrection. Right now, a lot of the prosecution is just of people who were caught up in the mob and not folks at the White House who were masterminding it. I don't think we ought to be criminally prosecuting senators for how they voted, though I think some of their votes were unconscionable. The remedy for that is to toss them out in the next election. I was struck by George Will's column saying there should be a ban on senators from running because the only Republican senator who he thought was doing his job was Mitt Romney because he didn't have presidential ambitions anymore. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these people are just totally pandering to the, to the Trump base and they should face an electoral consequence for it. Paul in San Leandro, California, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. Congressman, I've got a great idea to uh, alleviate the inflation problem in buying groceries. Let's expand SNAP benefits to 200 percent of the poverty rate. That way, both individuals and families can afford to buy groceries. I know the well, Republicans I... will call us. I know the Republicans will call us the food stamp party. That's fine. We just say we believe in letting people buy groceries. That's what we stand for. And if we can send thirty-three billion to Ukraine, we can definitely afford this. Thank you very much. Well, I agree with you. I think that that's actually a good idea. I mean, to expand uh, the food stamps and the SNAP program. Uh, I was just back in my district and, you know, Sunnyville Community Services Center and other places, and the need is high. You know, I was outside a grocery store, a teacher, and, my, you know, I, I, the cost of living is high in my area. He said, you know, he's only eating two eggs every morning instead of three eggs. So people are you know, watching uh, what they're buying at grocery stores, and uh, a number of folks are not getting uh, all of the food they need for their families. So I, I think that's a great idea. Is there is there a 
any motion in Congress to deal with food stamps? There isn't right now, but I, I'm going to, after, you know, I always get good ideas from your listeners. I'm going to talk to my team and see if when we move this COVID relief package with the Ukraine aid, whether we can tie some increase in SNAP. Yeah, you would think, yeah. Martin in Anza, California, you are on the air with Congressman Khanna. Tom, you brought up a great uh, example of people coming back from World War II from the military and getting the GI Bill. Well, they laid their lives on the line. And I was wondering if there's been any discussion of people uh, getting uh, any relief for student debt by joining the Peace Corps or community service, the CCCs, or doing anything like that. Martin, I appreciate your sense that people uh, who want to serve in the community should serve, and we should make those uh, opportunities available. The uh, president's Build Back Better has uh, paid uh, Climate Civilian Corps. Uh, we can expand AmeriCorps. But I don't think we ought to be linking uh, people's student debt to, to having them do that, especially when folks are you know, in their late 20s, uh, they're in their jobs, in their careers, starting a family. Uh, I just think we have to uh, eliminate this extraordinary burden that many of them have, uh, especially for working class and middle class uh, kids. But in terms of encouraging young people to do public service, I'm all for that. And if they're in college, I mean, I think, and we're making college free, then I'm for making some attendance requirement, some basic grade point and requirement so that you're going to class, so you can't keep repeating the classes. I mean, there has to be some accountability. Ed in Chicago, you're on the air with Representative Connor. Yeah, Congressman, I'm wondering if the Democrats will consider repealing the tax on Social Security that was implemented by Reagan. Uh, in lieu of corporations not paying any taxes, it would be the right thing to do. With inflation, it would really help, and it would rally the base for 2022. And weirdly enough, this is something that is being pitched right now by FreedomWorks, and so you've got some Republicans talking about this. So this comes up uh, now very frequently on uh, the, these calls, and I've uh, brought it up uh, with a number of progressive colleagues, and I'm inclined to, that we should do something, because there isn't a bill yet. John Larson has a great bill on Social Security that would increase benefits uh, and scrap the cap. But this is another part that really should be part of that bill, and uh, I'm going to work to see if we can get it added. Call it reversing the Reagan tax increase. <laughs> Marty in Wickham, Wixom, Michigan. Marty, you're on the air with Representative Connor. Hi, gentlemen. Great to talk to you. Uh, my question is about a strategy to achieve climate legislation. Uh, it seems to me we've seen this movie before with Joe Manchin, where he sidetracked the push for voting rights legislation with his so-called bipartisan approach that went nowhere. So rather than try to trust him to put together a bipartisan climate bill, which I don't think will go anywhere, has he been asked if he would just write his own preferred version of a streamlined reconciliation bill with some climate and maybe some tax and prescription drug components? And has he been explicitly asked if he would do that? Yes, he has. And uh, I have asked him, but more the White House has asked him. I think he's not going to want to make the first move, and that's part of the challenge. And so I've been uh, saying to the White House, just see what he wants and you put out the first, the proposal even if it's behind the scenes to to get to to a yes but i i share your skepticism on the bipartisanship because look if there were 10 set republican senators who want to spend 500 plus billion dollars on climate i'd be thrilled uh, i i just don't see that think that's where they are and i don't want to waste weeks uh and then end up in the same place so my view is hopefully this can elicit though what it is that senator manchin wants and then the White House can see if we can if they can put something together that meets those terms so that we can have a legacy defining climate bill. Two big pieces of legislation that got blown up, you know, Build Back Better and the voting rights. Is there any possibility of finding one or two Republicans who might go along with either one of those and bringing them back to the Senate before before the election? Well, I, I think we need more than one or two, because if we're going to go in, so it can in pass the regular reconciliation in the reconciliation. Yeah. The voting rights are tough to do through reconciliation, but the oh, yeah. but the build back better part we could we could we're trying, but we need Mansion first. I mean, I don't think we'll get any Republicans if Mansion's not on board. Right, right. I guess while the other one would be to to blow up the filibuster, I guess we're trying. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And Rob in Gulf Shores, Alabama, you are on the air with Representative Connor. 
I think it's disingenuous to compare eliminating student debt or forgiving student debt to the GI Bill, where those in the GI Bill earned it uh, and and served for it. So so just to eliminate it, I, I would say that's a terrible comparison and. In, in, uh, it's my, my point, Rob, had nothing to do with earning it. It had to do with the fact that when the government invests one dollar in educating uh, young students, uh, you know, college students, it receives seven dollars, a seven dollar return in additional taxes, which is probably one of the reasons why every other country in the world does this. Yeah. And so the question I'll ask of the congressman is he re- he, he talked about irrefutable data that talks about student debt. What is that irrefutable data that shows that we're not going to just pay back wealthy people with student debt? What is the number of, in essence, unwealthy people that have that student debt? I don't know it to be that high in what I've read before, unless he's got some data that's irrefutable. Can he reply, please? There's a a study, uh, Rob, that uh, the Roosevelt Institute has put out that shows that if you have the debt forgiveness plan, it helps people in the lowest wealth asset distribution. Even people who are making slightly higher incomes tend to come from families that do not have much wealth. They didn't inherit much wealth. And so it helps the bottom uh, 50% of those uh, in terms of wealth asset distribution. And the uh, a lot of the plans say that the forgiveness should be for middle class and working class families. Warren and Schumer's plan is for people making under 125000 50000 of forgiveness. So there's some misinformation out there that somehow this is going to help the wealthiest. Uh, it's actually not. And there are charts that Roosevelt Institute puts out uh, on this study. Norm in Tampa, Florida. You're on the air with Representative Connor. Representative Connor, I saw you this morning discussing about the uh, regulations on digital algorithms that, that have proposed in Europe and, and uh, the uh, identifying these algorithms and laws that should be in place. And uh, are these laws going to include the same, these algorithms that are being used in, in that are targeting folks in, in, uh, in this country in terms of social media, are the same algorithms that law enforcement use to target doctors? And, and we do not have a, a, a proper explanation on this sort of in terms of this opioid crisis and doctors doing proper prescribing, those sort of things. My curiosity is, is your push, the push for regulation, we do need this stuff, into, uh, going to include that which takes place in companies like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and those in terms of the discriminatory practices and exclusions that they're able to do, or insurance companies are able to keep people from getting care and also to prevent doctors and target doctors for even giving that care. I'm just wondering if that, that, that your law, and I, I think we do need these type of legislation in place because it's raising havoc in our health care industry. I'm a pharmacist and I'm also a dentist, and I'm talking about our problem. Our, our Norm, health. your phone just broke up. I'm sorry, but uh, Congressman, your thoughts? Well, I uh, was talking about uh, a law to say that on online platforms, people shouldn't be able to target kids or target ads based on race or gender. Uh, There are laws, there should be laws, not on the online sphere, that already prohibit the targeting of ads based on race or gender or discrimination on race or gender. But uh, to the caller's point, if it is happening, uh, then uh, those laws need to be strengthened and and, uh, enforced. But you can't be profiling in providing medical services or insurance. Congressman, although we have uh, callers from California, Colorado, Ohio, Texas, New Jersey, and a couple other from California on the line, we're down at the end of the hour. I'm wondering what you think we should be paying attention to as we go forward in the next week or so. How should we best direct our activist energies? Well, I would say on the student loan issue, we're getting close. President is now saying he's inclined to do something. We have to keep uh, hammering that. And then I think on climate, we've got to say that climate has to have something done. Uh, We can't have a situation like 2008, 2010, where we had the presidency in both chambers and, again, do nothing on climate. Uh, We're running out of time, and we've got to get something before the midterms. It it really is a truly crucial issue, and and, uh, it ain't going away. It's going to get worse, if anything. Congressman Conant, thanks so much for dropping by. It's always wonderful to have you with us. Always great being on, Tom. See you in a couple weeks. Yep, great. Look forward to it.
So Adam Kinzinger, the Republican from, I believe, Illinois, who is not running for a re-election. He's been, in fact, he's been redistricted out of a district, but he's not running because the Republican Party has disowned him because he and Ms. Cheney had the audacity to join the January 6th committee. But he's still a member of Congress until, uh, until the first week of January of next year. And he has introduced on Sunday a measure into the U.S. House that would give congressional authorization for President Joe Biden to intervene militarily in Ukraine if Russia uses biological, chemical, or nuclear weapons. Now, President Biden has said that these are red lines for him. You will recall that President Obama talked about red lines similar to this with regard to Syria. And when Russia ignored those red lines, President Obama did nothing. I'm not sure that he had the authority to do anything. Well, this, this uh, Representative Kinzinger is saying, let's give him the authority in advance. Now, I am generally opposed to authorizations to use military force. I would much rather see actual declarations of war if you're going to go to war. But if this is the United States involving itself inside Ukraine purely defensively against an outsider, I think that's a different thing, and I'm not sure if this is the best way to identify it or the best way to flag it or whatever. He said in a statement, and I quote, Putin must be stopped, and President Biden, the commander-in-chief to the world's greatest military, should have the authority and means to take the necessary actions to do so. Now, the question is, you know, how do you best do that? Uh, Nancy Pelosi, by the way, was over the weekend in Kiev, in Ukraine. She said this war must end. Very straightforward about this. And by the way, part of that delegation was Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee was the one vote against the war in Afghanistan and who also voted against the war in Iraq, has referred to AUMFs as uh, ill-defined and open-ended, uh, specifically the one in response to 9-11. I'm real interested to hear what Barbara Lee has to say about this. And I think that this is going to be a really fascinating debate in the House of Representatives. If it gets into committee, if it gets out of committee, keep an eye on this. Adam Kinzinger, how do we do this? What, you know, what do we do if Russia drops a nuke on Kyiv? How do we respond? You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 